Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Randy Backer from the Guess Who and BTO, and you are listening to Rock and Roll Archaeology. DIY and How Studios presents Deeper Digs in Rock, part of the Rock and Roll Archaeology Project. Music, culture, technology, and rock and roll. Now, on with the show. Welcome to Deeper Dixon Rock, a production of Rock and Roll Archaeology. Christian Swain here behind the mic in San Francisco today. Thank you once again for joining us. In Deeper Digs, we go a little further, dig a little deeper into specific topics that tie in with rock and roll history, the music, the culture, and the technology. It's the companion show to our episodic overview of rock history, the original on the network, the Rock and Roll Archaeology Podcast. If you'd like to help out the RNRA network, please head over to our brand new website and click on the Support the Shows tab. You can click from there to our Patreon page and make a much appreciated donation. Or if you'd like to pick up some awesome rock and roll archaeology swag, click to our T Public link. That's rockandrollarchaeology.com. Thank you. Yes, yes, let there be rock. Today, the rock and roll archaeologist sits down with a couple of hardcore podcasters, Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. Have a weekly podcast journey called Growing Up Rock, found on iTunes and most podcast apps. Like ourselves here at the RNRA, Stephen and Michael are big fans. Big fans of hard rock and metal music. They both grew up with the late 70s, 80s, and 90s music, so their show is about big guitars, big drums, screamers, and big hair. Well, not all of it, but a lot. One thing is for sure, they like the music loud. So, let's hear all about these rockers, ladies and gentlemen, Stephen Michael and Sonny Pooney.
Welcome to Deeper Digs in Rock, Stephen Michael and Sonny Pooney. How are you guys doing today? How are you? I'm doing great. I don't have that sultry voice that my partner Stephen has, but, you know, we'll go with it. Oh, <laughs> it's uh, deep. wow. <laughs> so there's it's voice deep and, and bassy, huh, Sony? <laughs> there was, uh, we got some feedback that uh, my voice was okay, but Stephen's was sultry. Oh. So, you know, now we, now we play that up a little bit. Wow. So, uh, Stephen, sounds like you've got a groupie. Yeah, I don't know about all that, and, and uh, I think I think the exact quote was like "southern sultry" or something like that. I don't oh. remember. Well, yeah, you, even... you you do have a bit of a twang in your voice. That's true. And and Sonny, uh, you and I, uh, you know, California boys, uh, you know, we just sound like everybody else on TV. So nothing special. You <laughs> that's guys, right. You guys got all the bass in your voice. <laughs> Yeah, we we definitely speak a little bit lower uh in uh in the back of the throat there. So, but uh uh so uh hey, uh you guys are podcasters, uh we're podcasters and uh but the interesting thing that brought us all together is music. So, okay, first question, um was music something big in your house when you guys were growing up rock? Stephen, you go first. Well, so I grew up in a huge family, so music was always present around my house and all generations of music because my parents... What's huge? Like, so I'm the youngest of nine. Whoa! Wow. (laughs) All right. Catholic, huh? Uh, Pretty much, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a fact. That, That rhythm method, it never really works. Yeah, exactly. Well, and good for uh your parents. Yeah, my parents had me really late. I was definitely a mistake uh or an oops, but oops, oops. yeah, never a mistake. Just oops, so well. Yeah. yeah. It's it's all good. That I had all generations of music starting with, you know, uh Benny Goodman and Frank Sinatra and things like that, Lawrence Welk and um I remember growing up watching How, how old is your oldest sibling uh, in age difference from you? Um, God, man, I think close to 70. And so age difference wise, maybe 25 years. Wow. Wow. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. I was, I was born an uncle, man. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Oh, you, oh, when you were born, you, you had brothers or sisters that had kids. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's crazy. All right. So, yeah. So definitely. Yeah. Music must've been in, and all kinds of music must've been in your house, huh? Yeah, everything from Lawrence Walk to Led Zeppelin. Wow. All right. All right. And uh and Sonny, how about yourself? So my story's a little different. Uh my parents were both East Indian, so I'm first generation uh, born in the US. They uh, migrated here after they got married. Mm-hmm. And um music in my house, my mom had started listening to some music on the radio. She loved air supply. So I remember all out of love playing over and over and over. Yeah. Uh, but my dad never really got into American, never got into like uh, any music besides Bollywood because he was singing and dancing that stuff in India. So when he got here, he didn't want to hear anything else. So for me, it was MTV. MTV was my growing up. Right, right, right. I, 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 I've, got, I've got a little secret to say. I love Bollywood. 
<laughs> I hate it because I had to grow up with it, but oh, I can no, I, I can appreciate why other people appreciate oh, it. It's amazing. It's just colorful dance. Uh, it's it's uh, you know it's Broadway on steroids. It's uh, it's it's just out of out of control. But uh, but I yeah I I, I ran into it uh, probably when I was like a late teen, and it was uh, and I've always kind of fallen for the exotic type of stuff and something different unusual unique and uh and i came across that one day and was what in the fuck is that that's amazing <laughs> so yeah I, i've got i've got a real soft spot for that so all right yeah. so so first generation american i understand that because i also am a first generation american but of course my parents came from denmark you know european yeah you know, uh, so they they had a little bit of the uh, you know the they they had always uh, you know had a little bit of that American side of things uh, you know uh, going on there. But uh, so are are you come from a big family as well? No, it's just me and my brother. My brother's seven years younger. Oh, and okay. uh, you were the the musical uh, pioneer in the family. Oh yeah, yeah. So when it came to Kiss, he was a hundred percent on board. When it came to Hall of Notes. I brainwashed him there too. He was a hundred percent on board. You know, I just, like Metallica. Just, yeah, 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 yeah. Just, he likes Megadeth. Just, just, just <laughs> to, to let the diggers know, I made a bet with myself how long it was going to take until Kiss came up. So, um, <laughs> wow, that was much quicker than I thought. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> uh, that come yeah. up several times. So, yeah. So, all, besides, right, all right. Yeah. Besides Kiss and Hollow Notes, really, I like Metallica. He went with Megadeth. You know, I like Maiden. <laughs> That's he not went too Aiden. far apart, but <laughs> right. But he just wanted to be a little different, right? I like Maiden. Oh, he yeah. liked Anthrax. Oh yes, you know? again, yeah. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, you know, that kind of kissing stuff. cousins, right? Right. Oh, yeah. In, in, in musically, so wow. All right, yeah. all right. So, 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 now, you know, individually, uh, personally, what uh, is your earliest musical memory? Yeah, so for me, it's uh, MTV, and, uh, you know, I was watching it for a while, probably, I don't know, six or seven months. Uh, Is this and when it MTV didn't re- first uh, uh, launched in 81? No, no, we're talking uh, 84-ish. Okay. Right, so um, I'm on, watching it. It's been it. on for a few years. It's, a, it's yeah. a cultural event now, yeah. Yeah, and it's in my sophomore year, right? So people are talking about it, so I'm listening, you know, watching, but... Kind of listening, but not really paying attention. A lot of pop acts, you know, everything from Madonna to Genesis or whatever was on, uh, Michael Jackson, etc. But the one that caught me was Heaven's on Fire. And I'm like, wow, those guys got it going on. I want to do that. That that looks like fun. Really? There's girls. It, well, yeah, yes. so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it was Heaven's yeah. on Fire that got me. Okay. All right. All right. And Stephen, how about yourself? Well, so when you're talking about musical memories, I mean, what specifically? Because, I mean, I have what's musical a, what's memories. What's the first thing that, that you remember? I mean, uh, you know, the earliest moment where you went, wow, that's really neat. And, and you know, as we've established, you come from a big family. Music was always in the house. So this is probably a little bit more of a difficult question for you. Um, but, uh, but somewhere back there, there's got to be that moment when you went, okay, this is something really I need to pay attention to. Well, from a rock and roll standpoint, I can remember going out and driving out to the beach uh, on many a summer's day since I lived, uh, you know, right across the bridge from the beach. But I can remember... where is that? uh, Down in the panhandle of Florida. Oh, okay. All right. All right. So you're an FLA guy. Okay. 
Yeah. And I can remember heading out to the beach on every, you know, basically every summer uh, uh, day. And I can remember uh, my sister blaring the AM radio in the uh, old Ford Mustang. And I can remember um, the live version of uh, Cheap Trick, I Want You to Want Me. Oh, and, so was that from Budokan? So that was yeah. uh, that was like seventy eight, I believe. It's what that's when it came out. Now, what was that? Uh, was that about that time, right then? Yeah, that's that's roughly right because I would have been, um, you know, I'd have been probably twelve years old, maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can uh, I can see that with all those screaming Japanese girls in the background there. Yeah, I just, I, I mean, that's that's a vivid uh, musical memory uh, in my childhood. Um, that, you know, fantastic time in uh, my childhood. Uh, uh. Uh, besides that, I can remember, uh, you know, sitting and watching <laughs> Hee Haw and, and Lawrence Welk with my parents uh, on, uh, you know, sat Friday and Saturday evenings, so... <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, I mean, that's Americana, you know, that's, that's, I, I had the same thing, uh, you know, I grew up, I think my mom's biggest uh, act was Ingelberg Humperdinck, uh, <laughs> and my dad liked country, so yeah, so we watched Hee Haw, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, Lawrence Welk, not so much, I mean, I, you know, it was around, I think my grandparents watched uh, Lawrence Welk, my grandparents are actually championship ballroom dancers from, from Denmark, awesome. so they, uh, they kind of gravitated to to the big band swing type of, of music. So, um, all right. So, what what was your first record that you guys bought yourselves, Sonny? Uh, all right. So, for me, I spent my birthday money in '84, and I bought four records on the same day. So, this is about the same time that you you noticed MTV. This yeah. is something different. This is, uh, uh, let's see, you said you're a sophomore in high school. Right. Uh, and uh, and so now you're like, oh, I need to go out and buy some music. Yeah, yep. And uh, I buy four albums on the same day. I was only intending to buy three, but I ended up buying four. So Kiss Animalized, which I was going to get because of Heaven's on Fire. Mm-hmm. Prince's Purple Rain, because I'd seen the movie a couple of times now. Uh-huh. Um. Uh, White Snake slided in because I had heard somebody let me borrow a tape at high school, so I had to get that one. Can I just ask is uh, is that a double entendre or does that just not even count as a double entendre? Well, I don't just know. A <laughs> yeah, you know how that goes. Yeah, and then when I'm going through the Kiss bin, you know, there's all these other albums. So I pick up Analyze and I'm flipping through the thing and I'm like, well, who are these people with like makeup on their faces? Because I don't know what that is. So when I turned around on the back and the front, I'm like, oh, this one's cool. So I picked up Dynasty, too. So that was my that's my first purchase is I bought four at the same time. All albums. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's good. And uh, do you have any of them still today? Oh, oh, yeah. All four. You do. You have all four still. All four. All right. Yep. All right. And Steven? (laughs) <laughs> Christian, to answer your question real quick about the double entendre, this is a good place where uh, I would say check out our uh, episode of Filthy 15, which we just released a couple of weeks ago. We'll answer that question about sliding in white snake for you. <laughs> you heard it, diggers. You got to listen to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
But uh, yeah, to, yeah, to I don't answer think your... that counts as a double on top. I mean, come on, that is just straight up. You know what we're fucking talking about, right? <laughs> uh, to to answer your question, uh, so there were there were loads of forty uh, fives and stuff that I bought. You know, whether it was Bay City Rollers or Sean Cassidy or well, you, or you did mention that that you kind of started on the AM radio side of things. And yeah, that does lead you to uh, the singles and the forty fives. I can totally yeah. see how that would happen. Whereas Sonny, you you know your introduction is MTV. And, uh, you know, in the, the mid-80s, it, it is all about the album. Uh, and uh, I could see where you gravitated to that uh, as your first uh, record buys. But, yep. but my serious records, my first two records that I ever bought with my own money, and this is actual albums uh, in rock and roll, I went out to Sears and Roebuck. I walked up to the mall because I lived within walking distance when I don't know how old I was. I can't, can't tell you, probably... 13, 14 years old, however, but uh, I walked up to Sears, Roebuck and Company, and I purchased two vinyl albums, and they were Boston's first album and the Cars' first album. Those are the two albums that I purchased. Very interesting. Uh, uh, both uh, late 70s editions, uh, uh, you know, Boston, uh, uh, Tom Scholl's, um, you know, his... Uh, basement made album uh which was absolutely incredible uh just you know production values that he got uh of course you know the guy was an mit grad uh and uh and then the cars and you know that's interesting both bands are out of boston uh there uh but the cars uh you know trying a sort of a new wave um attempt but still straight ahead rock and roll so uh very interesting interesting. completely completely rock and roll album i think they got lumped in with a lot of the new wave stuff but uh elliot elliot easton's underrated guitar player in that record that first cars record is all rock and roll oh, oh yeah yeah but I, I think it's hawks's uh um uh electronic sounding uh, keyboards yep. that uh kind of push them into the 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 quote-unquote new wave uh of rock but yeah i mean it, just great st- songwriting uh, primarily with uh, rick okasek uh there but uh, uh two uh two very big classic rock albums i can see that so so hey did you did you guys ever have to hide your music from uh from your parents or your brothers and sisters for me, the only thing I ever had to hide from a um, standpoint of records and stuff was actually um, uh, Richard Pryor. <laughs> oh, oh, right, right, right. <laughs> Richard Pryor and George Carlin. I think I had both those uh, those albums, and uh, um, they. I, I listened to them uh, as a kid, and probably shouldn't have been listening to them, but I thought they were fantastic, especially that Richard Pryor record, man. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, a, that was a bit taboo uh, for uh, for a young man in that uh, that age. I can I can see that. Uh, what about you, Sonny? Did you have to hide uh, records from your parents? Not a stitch. Really? Never they hid anything. Huh? They weren't into it. They didn't understand it. They had no clue. They <laughs> and they had no because uh, I was getting straight A's in school, so. I had basically, yeah, yeah, I had basically carte blanche. I could do whatever I wanted. Yeah, 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 you're one of those guys. I get it. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so uh, uh, was uh, record buying ever an addiction for you two? Uh, for me, CD buying became an addiction. See, when, when, see, CD, when the CDs oh, came out, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, because I worked, I worked at uh, a retail store, and we sold CDs, so I got, oh, a, discount got a discount on top of that. And then I was there when it came, when new ones came out every Tuesday, I could be the first one that got it because I knew I was the one putting them out because I worked in the music section. Oh, so, nice. Yeah, so, so you, were in the, yeah, you were in the music business. Uh, well, yeah, in the music selling <laughs> business at the end, yeah, I guess. Um, but, yeah, I had a CD buying addiction. As soon as I started making some money, oh, my God, I spent a lot of money on music. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and what about you, Stephen? Oh, completely uh, addicted. So in my younger years where you really didn't, you know, you didn't have anything but your allowances or however you could make money at that point in time, I, I spent a little bit of time like working a counter in an arcade and picked up a little bit of money that way. But um, I had some friends that worked at Record Bar. You remember that uh, um, uh, company? Uh that it was called Record Bar. It was a record store. It was a national chain. Uh-huh. Uh, there was one in the mall, and I had a couple friends that worked there. And what they allowed us to do was to come in, try. Uh, we would at that time. It was all about cassettes. I didn't buy a lot of vinyl. I bought more cassettes than anything. CDs weren't even around, so yeah, it was a little more portable, right? Yeah, it was cassettes, and it was cons- cassettes and vinyl. So I bought. Uh, tons of cassettes, whatever I read about in the latest Krang magazine or whatever. Mm. And they would allow us to buy the cassettes, take them home and try them. And they came with this little decal that they put on the inside. Um, and it was somewhat of a little bit of a warranty or something. So if anything went bad with the cassette within like 30 days or something, you could bring it back and they would exchange it for you. So basically that's what we did. We, we like, it was like a round, a turntable of cassettes. We'd take cassettes, we'd go home, we'd try them. Ah, this one's shit. So bring it back, trade it back in, get another one, you know, and that's, and that's, that went on for for years they even hired us at one point because every like month or every quarter they had to do a complete inventory of the store which meant basically an overnight count of everything that they had and so they would hire us for the night to come in and and count records uh and so we we did that we did that for for years it seems like uh going on and so uh that was one way that i got records and then uh the other one was every waking dime that i got i spent on on uh uh cassettes so yeah i mean complete addiction yeah you you uh you were addicted did you ever get help for that did you go to rehab or do you still have the addiction no i i I still have the addiction it just comes in the form of downloads now and now yeah spotify and all that it doesn't cost anything well what made it worse is that as I got older and became, um, you know, a young man, <laughs> out, of, out of my teens and in my 20s, I went to work for a record distributor. And so when I went to work for the record distributor, every Friday, it was back in the days of cutouts and promos. And yeah. every Friday, they would literally, and this is, this is no shit, every Friday I would walk out of work with probably a two-foot stack of CDs. Wow. Uh, 
every Friday. I mean, at one point in so these time, were the, these were the returns. These are the ones that were going to go back to the record companies, right? No, no. These or the, were pro- or the, the promos. These were promos. Oh, ahead of times, right, right, right. These were these were the ahead of times. These were promos because we were we were in sales, yeah. so we were selling records to record stores. So uh, every Friday, I walked out with like a two foot stack of 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 cds and at one point in time i think literally i had somewhere in the neighborhood of close to 2000 cds mm-hmm. uh at my house and i was like okay i gotta get rid of some of this because <laughs> you know i, I mean no space right? <laughs> yeah and a lot of it was just like okay i, I i'm never gonna listen to this this you know this isn't even my thing you know what i mean and so i had to get rid of it <laughs> yeah yeah i i still have the addiction you still have the addiction oh of, yeah of buying vinyl uh of buying music yeah and uh, sometimes vinyl so i've got the new hailstorm coming in vinyl i've got bronx boy already ordered coming in vinyl i just bought uh dead daisies in vinyl um, I'll buy CDs. I, a lot of the times, I'll go to the artist's website and buy from there. So that way, if I can get it signed, I'll get it signed. But I know where the money's going versus like buying it off of Amazon or eBay because I don't really know if the artist is getting the money. Mm-hmm. So And I want them to get the money. And then yeah. I, if I don't want the album, I download off of iTunes. So I've spent thousands of dollars on iTunes downloading one song at a time. Yeah. Well, that's because you're an A student. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> so, so Stephen, you, I, uh, you, you got in really into the music business, certainly on the uh, the distribution side of things, and I think you're you're still in the business uh, to an extent, right? Isn't that what you do? A little bit. Uh, it depends on how you look at. It. I mean, I've been in the business various times. I mean, besides times. podcasting, uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, I I, I do. Um, I do local security at some of the different venues in town. So, I mean, you can count that as sort of being in the music business. And, and then now the other, you live in Atlanta, right? Right. And then the, other, then the other part of it is I do audio editing, which is, not, I, I wouldn't consider that in the music business, but, you know, it depends on how you look at it. I don't know. There's, uh, you know, the, there's a new music business. Uh, it, it, it may be more music than business, whereas it used to be more business than music. But uh, but hey, you know if you're uh, you know you're you're in the scene and you're uh, working the shows and you're doing some uh, audio editing, that's 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 all part of it these days. Every everybody's scraping for whatever they can to get in. I I I, I know legends that are in that uh, position these days. So uh, that's you know you're that's in it. The, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, just, it's I think there's a new business that's being you know it's it's evolving into something and it's not there yet it's uh, it's amorphous at this point uh, but uh, i think that's part of what we're all doing we're in this new world that's uh, uh that's been created or or through creative destruction uh, uh you know uh, it's now turning into to something different and and there's there's lots of opportunity for 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 folks now there's not the, any of the money that there used to be but at the same time there was an opportunity uh you know 10 15 20 years ago i mean you know i, I i've heard it said that uh literally and i wasn't i wasn't totally joking when i said that if you worked in retail you were in the music business because that was the only job you could get in the in the music business because uh you know uh, all the rest were uh, were filled with lifetime uh, appointments yeah. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. 
Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, did did either of you guys pursue music? To, you know, playing it uh, as uh, as musicians. Yeah, I I had my only shot was 1988-89. You know, I'm in Northern California. Every band out of there is getting signed, and uh, we you know we recorded a demo, paid a bunch of money, played a couple of times. What uh, do you play, Sonny? I was at that time. I was playing keyboards and I was doing backup vocals. Right? I tried bass and I couldn't do it. Um, I wasn't good enough. But the, for me, that eighty-eight, eighty-nine was probably the only shot. I've got tapes and stuff of stuff we recorded, but there was one major thing missing from my end, and that was talent because I had none. <laughs> so I was I was trying to force myself into my hobby, and it was not working out well. Oh. Um, so the minute my retail career took off, I went that way, but then I started trying to manage bands. So I actually managed bands for a little while and uh, booked gigs and stuff like that. I did that 89, 90, 91. But, you know, the music business just sucks on that side. Like, it's bad. Like, there's a reason why musicians hire managers because it's like it's a pain in the ass to do that job. Oh, um, yeah. So I was I, I was doing well at my retailer, and I'm like, you know what? Forget this. I'm just I'm gonna go do something I'm good at. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. What about yourself, Stephen? Yeah, I mean, I never even came close to it. I want, you know, I had all these aspirations of being a big uh, guitar hero, rock star, all that shit, and I uh, and I I played a hell of a air guitar. God damn it, nobody could even touch it. <laughs> <laughs> on air guitar but wow. but all right all right but hey, you know hey talent. at some point i ended up um getting opportunities behind the scenes yeah. and and i and i rode those i mean they they paid me quickly and uh i got to hang around and be around um all the stuff that i loved so much so uh i just kind of traded one addiction for another and uh it was you know i didn't have to put near as much work into it uh learning how to get play guitar and it literally paid off immediately because i made money immediately so that that's kind of the way that uh, that I followed it. So, uh, what was your first concert that you you know? I, I, I assumed this started uh, with 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 recordings or AM radio uh, for you, Stephen. Uh, MTV for you, Sonny. And then you know the experience live is you know that's 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 really the deal maker. So what was uh, what was the first time you uh, you actually experienced a, a live rock concert? So I jump in and a I'm, car. I'm not talking about the Wiggles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was no Wiggles when we were young. I was gonna say, um, yeah. So I jump in a car with a friend of mine that was a senior, and we drive from Concord, California, to Sacramento. Mm -hmm. And my first show, August twenty third, eighty five. Loudness and Motley Crue. Wow. All right. Calyx, In 85, Calyx. yeah. The Motley Crue's uh, pretty big right then. I think they, that's yeah. just when they had hit it big. Right. Uh, Theater uh, Payne. Yeah. 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 When they were, they were, they were really one of the big acts in the world at that time. Uh, and uh, what'd you think? Uh, I thought it was great. I'm, loudness, I hadn't heard much, but Loudness was great. And then Motley Crue... 
I, I was under the impression, I was in denial. I thought I was going to get the shout at the Devil Motley crew and not what I was seeing with this assless chap thing that I was seeing on MTV that they had changed to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was wrong. They were wearing the, the chaps and the makeup, and I'm like, ugh. But they sounded so good, and the songs were so good. Uh, it was a great concert. So what uh, what what made you decide that uh, that that Motley Crue concert was the one that you just had to go to? Yeah, my the friend of mine had a ticket. Oh, really? right. So he goes, "Hey, I got an extra ticket." Yeah. Really, really. And yeah. uh, And how old were you at that time? Uh so it's before I turn sixteen. So um, fit, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, Stephen? For me, it was the mighty Van Halen in 1982 uh, Diver Down Tour. Okay. Uh, And it was freaking awesome. And I saved for like four months before the gig. And I paid $10.50 for my ticket at Sears. And it was (laughs) freaking kick-ass. Ten and I was bucks, man. at Sears. Yeah, at Sears, yeah, yeah. and I was literally like uh, three rows in front of Edward, uh, and it it was. I mean, it changed my life without a doubt. It changed my life. That was that was called the um, uh, what was it? Lock up your sheep tour. <laughs> that was the name of the tour, and I just I can vividly remember. Uh, I couldn't tell you who opened. I know it was somebody shitty though. Because they always had sort of shitty openers, but um, but I remember vividly them opening up with Romeo's Delight, and I remember the spotlight hitting Eddie and him launching into that riff, and Dave doing a roundhouse kick over his head. It was freaking awesome. Yeah, that's uh, they were quite the show band, uh, but uh, I don't know, you know, um, uh, Motley Crue, same thing. Uh, lots of lots lots of show going on uh, at that point. So. But that's interesting, uh, you know, Sonny, yours was just a spur-of-the-moment thing, uh, and Stephen, this, uh, this was a mission that you put yourself on uh, ahead of time. That's, uh, that's very cool. Uh, and uh, it changed your life, huh? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I had to travel to see it because we didn't have anything near where I live. So it was an hour travel for me. And, and uh, I went with friends from high school. And so, A, it was kind of the first time that we ventured out from um, the city on our own, you know, without parents and, and stuff like that. So that was the first kind of big thing. And um, B, it was just, you know, a bunch of teenagers in a car headed down uh, to this gig, you know, an hour away. And uh, yeah, it changed my life for sure. So, so you know, now we're decades into it and rock and roll is still your guys's passion uh, same as mine uh, you know have you ever thought why that is is it just a visceral thing or have you ever analyzed uh, you know why this continues to play such a big importance in uh, in your lives i think sonny and i talked a little bit about it um really on our last episode we kind of did we we talked about how with everything going on in the world today and all the climate and just craziness that's happening the one thing that's always constant for both of us 
I think, is music. It has a way to bring people together. Sonny and I didn't even know each other a year and a half ago. Uh, and now we're doing this successful podcast and about to celebrate our year anniversary because music brought us together. Yeah, so, so uh, growing up, you know, rock. I connected to. Yeah, for me, I connected to the messages of the lyrics, and it got me through some tough times and made the funner times even funner. And I remember, uh, you know, I was a district manager for a while for a retailer, and I would go to my worst store, and I would have to be revved up, ready to send a hard message. So I would listen to Megadeth and Disturbed on the way in, but then have to go to. A better store afterwards. I think Marines have to do list. that uh, right before a search and destroy mission too. But <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, and then go to a better store afterwards and have to like listen, you know, listen to Hall of Notes or something like that to calm myself down so I don't end up killing them too. You know what I mean? So it just it drives emotion for me and it helps me relax and it's just always been. I it drives me crazy when people say they don't listen to music. I just cannot wrap my head around. Right. How you don't listen to any music at all? Uh, unbelievable to me. Yeah, that is a kind of a weird thing. Now, I, you know, I, I'll, I'll tell you a, a little something about myself: is that I, I cannot listen to music and sleep, or do something that I really need to focus on. Uh, I will, I will immediately focus on the music and start, you know, either. More, more, more often than not, we'll begin to analyze it and, like, you know, listen to just the bass parts or, or how those melodies are working together, or, uh, you know, a three-part harmony that comes in, or, or, or something like that. So I, I'll, I just can't get anything done if, if I have music. Now, if I'm just having a good time and a party's going or something like that, that's I, I love music doing that. Housework, I can do that if I got a vacuum or something like that. But, uh, um, but, but no, I, I cannot. Uh, I, I have to focus and, and pay attention to it completely and utterly. But, but I understand the passion. I mean, you know, uh, yeah, uh, uh, my first concert was Queen in 1978. And, uh, not, and as you guys know, because, you know, you interviewed me on your show here a couple of months ago, you know, not only was it an amazing concert with, you know, probably the greatest singer in rock and roll history, uh, arguably, uh, I got to, you know, meet uh, the guitar player uh, in an offhanded way, uh, you know, after the show in a dingy little club. So, you know, I, yeah, what do you do after that? <laughs> you know, just, when you're, you know, 15, 16 years old, you know, it just yeah. changes your life. So, so let's, let's talk a little bit about the podcast. So uh, growing up rock, uh, uh, who came up with the name? Uh, that's all Steven. This is all Steven's baby. Yeah. Why, why the name, Steven? <laughs> so I kind of had all this stuff in place when I went after Sonny. But yeah, I mean, growing up rock. So one of the most important things to me about music is connecting with uh, um, the songs and the stories and the memories. I mean, the great thing about music is you can hear a song uh, and a lot of times it'll literally take you back to that very moment in time when, you know, you were whatever hanging yep. out in yep. the, in the, you know, high school hallways or whatever, you know, to uh, quote, and so uh, to quote, uh, uh, Neil Parrott there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and I mean, so that was one of the or things that I, I should say, yeah, that's one of the things I loved about it. So, uh, this 
this podcast is basically built on that uh, kind of premise, which is, uh, you know, the, the music, the hard rock and metal that you grew up with. Uh, and then, you know, there's still music being made today, brand new, that's creating the soundtrack to somebody else's life or continuing to create the soundtrack to our life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so it doesn't stop with just the classic stuff, but that's it's all about growing up around rock and roll, so growing up rock. I love yep. it. That's great. So uh, how did you first hear of podcasting? When, how did that enter your lives? Yeah, for me, it was uh, almost by mistake, almost. Um, so I would have... For a while, I had this six-hour drive from my job to where I lived. So I was working in L.A., but I was living in San Francisco. So I would make this drive every other weekend. Yeah. Going, uh, you know, so I would stay in L.A. two weeks and then drive home for the weekend and come back, right? So it's six hours each way. It's kind of a boring drive. Yes, I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I listen to music all the time. And then I was like, oh, well, let me try audiobooks. So, you know, I listened to Sammy Hagar's book and Paul Stanley's book and Gene Simmons' book. And then after a while, um, the problem with audiobooks is it's the same thing for six hours, right? So I was like, well, I'd like the audiobook idea, but I'd like to maybe have different topics. Mm-hmm. So somebody suggested a podcast at work, and I'm like, I don't even know what that is. So I go home, I research it, and I'm like, well, what KISS podcasts are there? And oh, shit, got the phone book, <laughs> right? I'm like, okay, well, is there anything on Vinnie Vincent? So. And there was one popped up with Vinnie Vincent. I'm like, oh, my God, there's people talking about Vinnie Vincent. I guess I got to go listen to it. And it was Decibel Geek Podcast. So that's how I kind of got into it. And then that first couple of podcasts I listened to, Decibel Geek, they talk about so many other podcasts that they kind of drew this plan for me of what to listen to. And then as I started getting used to podcasts, then I started venturing off in, well, there's psychology ones, and there's ones about relationships, and oh, yeah. there's one on, you know, how to sail if you want to. And so so I listen to like 55 podcasts now. Wow. Okay. So you, you subscribe to 55 different podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Okay. All right. And Stephen, uh, how, did, how did you first come to podcasting? So... I was sort of similar in the fact that I was working a corporate job where literally I had a hour and a half commute each way um, every day. Uh, and I went out to, I knew about podcasts. I mean, I knew what they were. I think I was listening to one or two at the time. I don't remember what they were back then, but um, I went out to seek out uh, more rock and roll podcast because there wasn't a whole lot around at that point in time, or at least I couldn't find them no, when I there, tried to search them. There wasn't when we started uh, four years ago. There was like maybe yeah. two. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, it, exactly, and that's around about this that uh, time frame was around about four years ago or so when when I started trying to uh, search this stuff out, and there was like there was literally I think I found two or three podcast decibel geek was one mm-hmm. um rock and or roll was another one and he had just completed like this complete def leopard 
uh, like discography of, of every Def Leppard record. So it was like two or three parts. And then um, I, I want to say something like uh, Talking Metal or something like that. And that was that was basically it uh, at the time. And so uh, I really sort of started getting into it and enjoying that. But then I was like, you know, I really loved to do my own show and just started having kind of visions of of how I would want that to go and what I would want to represent and uh so really the thoughts kind of started around about that same time so how did you decide to put this together um well I mean I started probably two years ago researching it just looking into it from equipment to uh, how does it get done? How does it work? What's the best way to do it? Uh, one of the things I found is that there's a million different ways to do a podcast. And there is definitely not necessarily any right or wrong, but there's a lot of varying quality out there. So there's podcasts that, in my opinion, are just awful from a quality perspective. Oh, yeah. Uh, people sounds like they recorded on their on their tape recorder and and you know there's they're just not great in front of the mic and and they don't try to be great in front of the mic and so uh that's a little bit you know just isn't my thing and so i wanted a much more uh kind of controlled sleeker type thing but still for it to be loose enough to have fun and feel like hey this is just you know people hanging out talking rock and roll so i didn't want it to lose the spontaneity uh that it is so i just researched a bunch of stuff then i went and uh tried my hand at podcasting and and guest hosted on a couple of different podcasts uh and that's that's kind of it and from there that's how i met sonny so yeah, um, the next question was going to be how how did you meet Sonny and, and were you, were you always um, thinking of, uh, of of having a uh, a co-host uh, along with you? Me, if that question is to me, then yes, one hundred percent, yes, because I always knew that I would never be able to do a podcast with just me sitting in front of a mic and talking to myself. I think it's completely unnatural, and I don't like the feeling. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, it, it's it's a it's a different uh, way of doing things. Uh, as you guys know, we've got uh, uh, seven podcasts in our uh, in our network, and one is a is a, a produced uh, you know our rock and roll archaeology podcast, the one that started it all, uh, and it's really just me, <laughs> you know, uh, telling a, a story of uh, of uh, a, chrono- a chronological story of the history of rock and roll. But but then yeah, then an interview, but. Um, yeah, I, I I had one show with uh, with a co-host uh, and uh, still uh, my business partner, um, but um, uh, I just I don't know. It's funny for for me. It, it felt more natural to just do it solo as opposed to uh, um, uh, to with a partner. But then again, I am a lead singer, and you know what they say about us lead singers. <laughs> LSD <What>? baby, LSD. <laughs> but your and your show is completely different because I mean it's it's so you have all these different kind of um, offshoots of your show where you do get to talk to other people and bounce yeah. back and yeah. forth and have that stuff. But your main show, like the rock and roll archaeology show that that version of that show i i could probably 
do that type of show on just my own because it's more like uh, it's more like a, um, it plays out like a TV show or a book on tape or whatever you want to yeah. call it. I mean, yeah. it paints it paints this vivid picture, and you're describing something and talking about something where it's not kind of a question and answer type thing. So that to me is kind of a completely different type of setting and feeling and and maybe i would be able to do something like that but for what i had envisioned and for what we are there's no way in hell i was going to be able to sit in a room and talk on a mic and go so so self what did you think of that van halen <laughs> record well self i thought it was kick ass <laughs> i know some people that can do that but most of them need some sort of help but uh, yeah they're I, called but... sociopaths <laughs> <laughs> multiple multiple person personality disorder yeah, exactly but, but uh so uh well how did you find your co-host uh uh mr hollywood hollywood tell the story yeah so uh steven mentioned that he did a trial run with uh, a couple of podcasts and one of those was decibel geek well i had done the same i did one with decibel geek and uh so when i when i did the actual i did mine before him so when I was doing the podcast with Chris and Aaron, I, I was nervous. I was probably talking pretty fast, honestly, and I had done tons of preparation because I didn't want to sound like an idiot. And uh, about halfway through... Again, uh, the A student arrives. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> so about halfway through, I'm you thinking... You have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so halfway through, I'm thinking, well, I think I might be able to do this. And I remember Chris asking, you know, have you ever thought about doing a podcast? I'm like, yeah, maybe, but it, it'd have to be after I retire, because I was thinking, if by some miracle I live to 70, 75, I'm going to have to find out something else to do, right? Because I'm not going to be able to do what I'm doing now. And if I ever did a podcast, it's probably going to have to be with some of my friends that can tolerate me, because my personality is an acquired taste at times, right? So I'm like, okay, whatever. And then uh, Stephen did his, and I had heard his. Henning did one. I had heard Henning's, another guy. And one day, Stephen, like, reaches out and says, hey, can I talk to you about an opportunity? And I'm like, uh, okay. So we set up a time. We talked about it for half an hour. And uh, he told me his ideas about the podcast and was wondering, one, if I would help him maybe even practice, if nothing else, and two, if I'd be interested in joining. And I had one request. I said, I I'm in. But I got one request, and I will let Stephen tell you what that request was. Dude, I can't do any of the technical shit. So <laughs> no editing or anything basically technical. I'm not good with that stuff. <laughs> Is that it, Sonny? Yeah. So, so, so yeah. Stephen, you handle the technical side of things. <laughs> I see. I see. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, well, I, I got to know, uh, uh, Hollywood. Where did you get your uh, your uh, moniker there? Yeah, uh, that was by mistake too. So we're at this uh, meeting. Uh, well, we're at uh, drinks after the meetings, and we're in this bar in San Francisco, and a lot of drinks in the room, and somehow we got to the bar in one piece. And we're still drinking, and there's karaoke going on in the background. And uh, there was people encouraging me to sing because people that I knew at work knew that I did karaoke every once in a while. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And then finally, at the end of the night, I don't know if there was enough jack in me or not. I go, okay, well, let me go do this. 
And I never really did karaoke in front of like work friends because it was just weird, right? So went up there and for some reason I decided to do Prince's Kiss. No, uh huh. And I'm sure story I tell I was probably in the key of Q flat. I'm sure I was <laughs> fine, but who knows? And after I get done, it was either one of my friends or one of the guys at the bar that had had seen me kind of nah, no, nah, no, nah, let somebody else. Nah, nah. So once I got done, that person yelled Hollywood, you know, kind of in a sandbag type manner, mm-hmm. and it just kind of stuck. Oh. And. Not a lot of my personal friends knew about it because it happened at a work thing, but somehow through work, it just started kind of going and it kind of took its own <laughs> turns and got into the podcasting world somehow. I don't even know how that happened. And now it's a sunny Hollywood poony. Yeah, so, you know, right. uh, I'm good. I earned the name, so I guess I'll take it. Take it. Take it. Take the it. Own it. Own it, man. So, uh, interesting. You guys uh, perform your podcast uh, from two different locations. You're, 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 you guys, uh, in fact, uh, I, I think you've only met a couple of times, right? Yeah, we've only met, what, three times, three, right? Three times, yeah. Yeah, three times. Um, so the once was relationship the is virtual. Yeah, yeah. Much. yeah. And uh, there's times... There's times I'm in Wisconsin, there's times I'm in California when I'm doing it, and there's times I'm on the road doing it. So we've done, I've been in New York when we've done a podcast, I've been in Atlanta when we've done it. Like, there's, yeah, I just take the stuff with me, and if we got a show, I just do it. So how do you guys uh, split up the, the workload? I mean, we, we, we know now <laughs> Stephen does all the technical side of stuff. Okay, let me just uh, let me just stop you there. Christian, okay? we, we don't actually split Hollywood's up. Hollywood's just a personality. I think that we don't we're actually right? split up the workload at all. Hollywood is the personality of the bunch. He's the he's the dude that has like five hundred and fifty thousand followers on Twitter and all this other shit. So he's the face of the business, and I'm the one that's got the chain uh, to my ankle and front of a pc slaving away to make this shit sound good yeah well you know i put everything in terms of rock and roll so uh i know who the lead singer is and who the guitar player is so yeah uh, yeah, there, yeah. Right. that's the way that's the way we i'm the, that, so. i'm the troubled lyricist and uh sunny <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 so just uh, just remember remember Dion sanders never washed his own jerseys just remember <laughs> So uh, let let's tell the diggers a little bit about the format of growing up rocks. You got, I think you you're coming up on your your one year anniversary. Yep. Uh, it's a great show. I love listening to it. Um, uh, but uh, you know, I, I think you you have is it fifty five about shows now. I think we're up to fifty seven. Fifty seven. So basically, yeah. about one a week is what you're putting down. Oh, yeah. We put out one a week, and then there have been several occasions where we'll just drop a bonus. Uh, We won't call it a full-on episode, but we'll just drop a bonus piece or... Uh, we've done a couple of these what we call time capsules, which is where we'll talk to just... We'll talk to like a listener. We'll talk to somebody and just talk to them about uh, their earliest musical memories. And so we've put out a few uh, time capsules with different podcasters and different, uh, just different individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, 
where we talk about, you know, kind of really a lot what you're kind of talking to us about is kind of those first musical memories and things like that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, definitely we probably put out, uh, close to 70 pieces of stuff. Yeah. And yeah. And our, and our thought process is, some of our favorite podcasts don't do the same thing every week. Like it's not a themed episode every week, or it's not an interview every week, similar to what you guys are doing on rock and roll archeology, span similar to what decibel geek does. Sometimes they have themes. Sometimes you guys have interviews. Sometimes you're telling a story. Sometimes you're interviewing somebody else, but you pepper all that in throughout the episodes to try to keep the listener engaged with different things at different times. Right. And we're, we're doing the same thing. The only difference is, we don't have five or six different podcasts working with us. We're doing it all ourselves. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, and now you guys do uh, a, a fair amount of interviews. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think your biggest get has been so far? Probably the biggest get that we've gotten is uh, I'm guessing Steve Stevens. Oh, uh, title fame. Yeah, Steve Stevens been was a pretty big get because he really doesn't do a ton of interviews. I mean, I haven't seen that many interviews with him, uh, especially on podcast. I mean, I'm not saying that he doesn't do them. I'm just saying that I haven't seen that many with him. Uh, so I think that that's probably one of the biggest gets. Um, and then early on, I mean, like our second episode, not our second, maybe our fourth episode, we got Greta Van Fleet. Uh, before they were before they really broke loose you know they were kind of new and uh at the beginning and so that one was pretty pretty big get as well but we've had some good ones yeah yeah definitely have yeah and i like that uh we get the opportunity to talk to a paul dean from loverboy because nobody's interviewing that guy or marco mendoza from the dead daisies because everybody's busy talking to karabi right so um, and I think you get different views from those folks because they are honestly part of what's going on, but they're more behind the scenes mm-hmm. and you don't always hear their story. So uh, I've enjoyed those more than uh, yeah. what we do. But the interviews are tougher. It's tougher to get like when we do a themed episode, the two of us can get together and do one. When you bring a third person in and you're going to interview them, and especially if they're a personality and they're on the road and at times Stephen's catching them at a concert, et cetera, et cetera, then it's very difficult for both of us to do the interview because we can't we can't combine the time right. So a lot of the interviews Stephen does on his own, but you know that is part of what we do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you, you you mentioned you've got a couple of different formats. Uh, you know, we've talked a little bit about the interview, and we've talked obviously about uh, you know the growing up rock guests of, of which I was one of. Um, what what are some of the other uh, shows that uh, show themes that you guys do? We always like to do these themed episodes that you know they're they're basically based around hard rock or metal. Uh, because that's that's what the show format is essentially so we'll find different themes to do i think probably the most recent one was um uh we covered the whole filthy 15 and the pmrc um and covered that whole topic and mixed some you know facts and history with some music and art uh, yeah that's awesome yeah i just sat down with uh amit uh, zappa and we 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 talked a little bit about uh, frank's involvement in the uh, the pmrc uh, debacle 
Yeah, so exactly. So we did all that and mixed in our own music and, uh, you know, it was, it was good. Sunny. Yeah, we've done stuff like uh, War and Peace, where we picked songs that were about wartime and peacetime. Uh, we've talked about uh, things like, uh, we call it This Ain't No Disco, which we did one for uh, 1978, 1989, where we just picked songs from 78 or 89. But we're kind of staying away from the big hits, where, where some... People may know, but there's a bunch people may not know. Or we'll do stuff like color by numbers. So it's like just colors and numbers, right? Stuff that's just a little different, and it makes us go into our iTunes libraries a little bit different. It makes me dig into the 3,000 CDs I got sitting over there and look through, thumb through stuff I haven't thumbed through in a while, and it's fun. Yeah. One of, one of the reasons behind this podcast, too, it's kind of alluding to what Sonny said, which is, you know, radio got so full of themselves that it just drives me crazy that uh, radio would play the same two or three songs time after time after time. I mean, even satellite radio does the same thing where they just put these same songs on a constant loop. And, you know, to me, so much great music was being missed by the general public. You know, I mean, ACDC is so, so, so much more than just Back in Black and You Ship Me All Night Long and Highway to Hell. I mean, there's just so much more catalog there. And, you know, Def Leppard is so much more than just Rock of Ages and Photograph. I mean, there's, you know, there's just tons of stuff out there and it wasn't being played. So, Sonny and I try to kind of go to the deeper catalog stuff and pull out something that maybe somebody's not as familiar with or forgot about uh, and work that into these themes. And, and that's one of the reasons why I love our show. And the same with new music that's coming out today. Well, you know, there might be a new band that has a single on the radio, but it'll be the lead-off track that, that hooked us, not the single, even though the single might be fine. So we'll play the lead-off track instead. Uh, you know, so stuff like that. Well, I, I think you're you're on to something that's not too dissimilar from what we're doing in some of the other podcasts uh, that are you know geared towards uh, uh, music and and that is the you, you know radio uh, you know we can argue about the the methodology and you know corporate radio and the nationalization of it and uh, and how that led to its demise uh, and to your point satellite radio is uh, maybe a, a a little bit better than uh, than terrestrial but again um it, it, it's not um it, it, it's limited and uh, and i think also you know and we and you guys have touched on this a little bit today too and that is that you know it's it's more than just the music itself it's the stories that go along with it and the 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 memory association with uh, with those artists or a particular song or a particular time or moment that uh, is 
through podcasting, you can create a, a greater connection point to, uh, to a, a particular audience. Uh, it may be fragmented. It may be small. But that's probably the future of music discovery. Uh, and, I, and I know that uh, I think that, um, that we're, we're, we're starting to see, you know, those who make the music are beginning to recognize that. I've, I've had a couple of interviews where, you know, afterwards I've been thanked about what we're doing and how important it is to uh, to keep this music uh, alive and out there in the public consciousness. So you guys are doing exactly the same thing. So, okay, so um, where do you guys see Grown Up Rock in five years? Uh, we'll, oh God, I was going to say we'll probably be divorced because we might kill each other. <laughs> um, we're actually not that bad. Uh, uh, we actually get along pretty good. Well, I know a good attorney oh. if you guys. Uh, yeah, yeah. I would say, you know, I, I hope I see it continuing to grow. Um, you know, I, I hope we continue to get bigger and bigger names involved that uh, get the word out. Um, and I, it's still got to be a hobby. You know, I have to remind myself of that all the time. Uh, I remind that to Stephen sometimes, you know, because you get hooked up in this podcasting it's like how many listens do we got and are we number one on this and did somebody notice and are we doing this for nothing or (laughs) or or you'll hook a great interview and you did the interview and before you release it somebody else releases an interview with the same person and it's like it gets very very uh discouraging but then at those times we have to remember it's still supposed to be a hobby still supposed to be a hobby we were going to talk about music anyway so as long as it stays fun i think i can do it for a long long time and Steve? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, kind of what he said. I mean, he's not wrong about anything that he just said. I think, I think I have, I think I would be lying to myself if I didn't say that I would love to see this thing grow and prosper. I mean, why, why, why can't I be the next Eddie Trunk? Why can't I be the next whatever? You know, why does, why does he get all the glory? You know, I'm just saying, do I think, deep down inside that you know i have a uh, chance at being uh as big as you know whatever eddie trunk or any of that stuff no not necessarily i'm not living a life of of delusional grandeur but doesn't mean that it can't happen and it doesn't mean that i want to continue to build the show in that direction you know it'd be nice it'd be nice if we had enough sponsorship and you said, what was my vision in five years? It'd be nice to know that within five years, I have enough sponsorship to at least cover cost of what it costs to do a podcast. Uh, and then in addition to that, to maybe make a few things better, which is, you know, like better promotion or, um, uh, you know, just a, a few small things here and there, a better piece of equipment or something like that. So, uh, that, that would be really, um, uh, my, my biggest, uh, dream, you know, two, three, four years from now. All right. All right. So, um, okay. So. What's the last concert you guys saw? Uh, I just saw Warrant a week ago, and uh, not even a week ago, like four or five days ago, and yeah, they saw, were I saw, I saw awesome. The, I saw some of the video of that. Where where was that, uh, Sonny? Uh, Waukesha County Fair in Wisconsin, uh, like seven miles from where I'm living right now. 
Okay. Uh, and it's just a little fair. They were outdoors. It was supposed to rain that night, and not a drop while Warrant was playing, which was great. And Stephen? Last thing I did was I worked um, Smashing Pumpkins uh, the other night. So uh, that what, was the last how did, how did you like that? Um, you know, I'm not the hugest Smashing Pumpkins fan. I do like some of the music, uh, so I pick and choose what songs I like. But I thought they sounded great. I thought they had an interesting stage set. Mm-hmm. Um, and lots of costume changes, things like that. So uh, I thought there were some definite cool elements to the show. So, I mean, I enjoyed it, and I got paid to be there. So there you go. Can't beat that. Right, right. All right, all right. So here's the $64,000 uh, $64, question I, I've been waiting forever to ask you guys. Okay, you ready? Sure. <laughs> I'm scared of this. Why is Kiss so big? It's all you, Hollywood. Yeah, uh, you know, it's uh, part cartoon, yes. part scary, <laughs> uh, part talent, part uh, the four personalities, those four painted faces. Um, not all four had to hook you, just one had to hook you, and then you were hooked into all four. And they were consistent with bringing out music and being out there playing Every single year since they started, uh, Road Warriors put their work in, went through the trials and tribulations of the years that you know came after. They tried to be Motley Crue, they tried to be Bon Jovi, and then reverted back to just being themselves. And there's, you know, the comic book geeks love them, the the guitarists and the musicians overall love them. Um, just music fans in general like the music. Uh, the collectors like all the toys, like all the shit I got in my room. There's just all too right. much stuff, and That's they the hit the businesses dead. The genius of Gene Simmons, I'll tell you. That. That's exactly what that is, right? They they got everybody. Um, but it it you know I met many many people in my life that absolutely hate this band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I you know look when 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 I was young I was a contrarian about them, uh, but you know I had I had my moment with Kiss, uh, uh, the Love Gun album. Uh, you know um, it was about my age when uh, you know trying to figure out as much as I could about what this sex thing was. Um, I figured Love Gun would help. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, Did it? <laughs> Yeah. It, no, it, but slide it in better. Slide, slide it in, in help right, right. Yeah. Oh, by slide it in, you know, I was way past that. <laughs> but uh, 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 all right. So, dream interview. What? Uh, what who do you guys look for uh, for getting here in the next year? There's so many people. Yeah, for one of one of the things I think we've been focused on doing is not just interviewing like so-called rock stars. Yeah, I mean, I think I think some of the better stories lie within people that aren't necessarily like Sonny said mm-hmm. up front and center. Some of the people that are behind the scenes. I mean, um, you know, we just did that interview with Bob Nalbanian. I really enjoyed that. 
that guy did all these documentaries for uh, Inside Metal. And, you know, like you, Christian, he grew up on the Sunset Strip a little bit. And mm-hmm. uh, he, he, you know, he knew a lot of different people and just had some really good stories. So as a personal fan, I just kind of enjoyed that, you know. I, I, you know, somebody, Bob Nalbanian, no, nobody's going to know who that is necessarily. But uh, it doesn't matter if the stories that the individual is telling are engaging and fun, you know? And so I look to things like that, but I mean, Sonny. Yeah. And you know, I agree with Steven, but I will tell you, uh, I don't need to interview one of the kiss guys. That's, that's fine. They, they interview plenty on their own, but man, I would love to talk to Eddie Van Halen. I would love to talk to Bruce Dickinson um, you know, there's some folks out there I would love to get an hour with that, uh, you know, when I saw them on stage, they were just heroes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they call it uh, being a rock star for a reason. So, That's so right. what's what's next for you guys? Uh, rock and Pod. Yeah, Rock and Pod is next. That's going to be a blast. Yeah, tell, tell us a little bit about Rock and Pod. Uh, so, well, I'll start. It's in Nashville. Uh, August 25th uh, is the actual Rock and Pod uh, day. There's all kinds of uh, celebrities coming, interviews, panel discussions. Uh, I think there's 25, 26 uh, podcasts there. Um, there's a uh, pre-show on Friday night, and I'll let uh, I'll let Stephen tell you all the highlights on that. Then there's a show on Saturday night, and then there's a comedy show on Sunday. So they've made it kind of a full weekend. It's the second annual one. And, you know, there was just this podcast movement thing that happened either this week or last week. And we didn't join that because, well, you know, you can only go to so many things. We've got lives to live, too. But this rock and pod thing, we were there last year in the inaugural year. And it's something that we made a lot of friends there. And we're really connected to the people that show up there. So we feel like that's more of our family. I think sooner or later we probably need to expand that. But uh, for now, that's going to be a a great time. And I'll let Stephen fill in the details. Yeah. I mean, just like Sonny said, one of the the best things about podcasting, Christian, is the community. Uh, I mean, there are so many of us that uh, give our blood, sweat, and tears in putting out quality shows and you know we're not making a dime i mean it's it's costing us money in a lot of ways to to follow this love and and put this stuff out uh and you know it's great getting feedback and knowing that you're entertaining listeners and all that stuff but at the end of the day it's the community with uh, the listeners, the other like-minded music fans, and then the other podcasters, because the best thing about podcasters is they are true music fans, like the the music podcasters, obviously, I'm talking yeah, about. but Very passionate. Yeah, super passionate fans. And so who doesn't want to be around people like that? Um, that share the same passions as you share. So just like Sonny said, we we made so many friends over the past year um, in other music podcasts, uh, and we all come together at Rock and Pod. We did the first year, and this year's even bigger and better where it's turned into this whole weekend thing where it's not just one 
day. It's a weekend of stuff and activities. And so uh, we're all coming together for the second one. And it's, and it's bringing together podcast and podcasters and listeners and musicians and rock stars uh, all in one room. And how much better can that be? I mean, <laughs> you're getting Friday night, Friday night, you're getting uh, uh, 80s uh, hard rock band Tora Tora, along with Ron Keel, um, and the return of uh, Punky and Frank from Angel. So Angel is going to be there and, wow. and uh, is going to be playing with, uh, with um, Tor Tor and, and uh, Ron Keel. And then um, on Saturday, you have the actual expo. And then Saturday night, um, we've got a whole night of rock and roll where you've got uh, local band Denman, who's an up-and-coming hard rock metal band out of Nashville that uh, is getting ready to release their record that was uh, produced by Michael Wagner. And you've got Jacob Cade, who is a 19-year-old up-and-coming rock artist that uh, also is getting ready to release a record. Uh, and you've got this band from Michigan, Black Huron, that's also going to be playing. So, uh, a night of rock and roll. And then Sunday, you've got a comedy show uh, with uh, Craig Gass and uh, Courtney Coleman Dold and um, uh, Earl Skakel. Wow. Sounds uh, like fun. Sounds like fun. So, yeah, I mean, complete weekend. I think uh, uh, the uh, Rock and Roll Archaeology uh, team will have to make a, a visit next year to, uh, to Rock and Pod. So. Hopefully. Well, uh, <laughs> Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney, uh, it's been great talking with you guys today. Um, I, I, I know where to go to get my metal fix. Uh, and uh, that's growing up rock. Uh, and I'll definitely, uh, when when we the main podcast gets to the uh, those metal years, uh, we'll probably use some of you guys uh, for, for our <laughs> definitely for our research. I so. mean, come on, bring in the experts, my friend. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's right. Uh, guys, it was great having you today on Deeper Digs in Rock. Hey, thanks, Christian. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity. Love your podcasts and, uh, you know, glad to be on. I had a great time with Sonny and Steven. Uh, I was on their show at the beginning of summer, and they introduced me as the Indiana Jones of rock and roll. I seriously had never put that together. But you know what? I'll, I'll take it. It was my pleasure bringing them on our show. And if you diggers want to find some more rock and roll stories, Grown Up Rock is the place to go. It's not just interviews, but sometimes just the two of them posing interesting questions and bantering the details of something obscure or diving deep into rabbit holes. All very fun and interesting. 
As you've heard, these two are serious guys about the subject. They even went to Nashville for the Rockin' Pod Fest, and Stephen even moderated one of the panels. All right, folks, that's Grown Up Rock, wherever you find your podcasts. Until next time, I'm Christian Swain, the rock and roll archaeologist. Uh, you know, the Indiana Jones of rock. <laughs> I hope you stop back again for more deeper digs. Oh, yeah, here is my answer to Sonny's question posed in episode 66. Uh, go listen and you'll know what I mean. Okay, keep up the rockin'. the wrongs of social injustice? Oxfam America works with people in more than 90 countries to save lives, develop long-term solutions to poverty, and campaign for social change. And we do it with the help of our friends in the music world. The Beatles were Oxfam supporters back in the day. So were the Stones. And through the years, musicians and music fans have helped Oxfam push hard to work for a just world without poverty. Folks like Radiohead, Coldplay, Pearl Jam, DJ Shadow, and many, many more have encouraged their fans to join the effort. You can too. Go to OxfamAmerica.org to learn how you can help. Deeper Digs in Rock, produced and hosted by Christian Swain. All sound design and incidental music by Busy Signal Studios. All quotes performed by actors unless noted. Playlists can be found at iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Please purchase these great and important tracks. All songs, clips, and references can be found on our show notes. Please visit rnrap.com for more information. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.